630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move to the net. Reach and score! And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback! Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Ducks. Haven't won in a while. Scoreless with Detroit in the first period. Panthers up 1-0 on the Canadians with five minutes left in the first. After the first period, the Rangers are up 3-1 on the Hurricanes. Early second period, Blue Jackets with a 3-0 edge on the Devils. Also early in the second, Islanders lead the Blues 1-0. Coming up later tonight... Oil Country, watch this one. It's just getting underway. The Wild home to the Kings. The Oilers and Wild, two of the four teams tied in terms of points for the final playoff spot in the West. The Capitals take on the Predators. Jets home to Vegas. That's a good matchup. Lightning meeting the Stars. And later, the Penguins visit the Sharks. The Edmonton Oilers today claimed center Colby Cave off waivers from the Boston Bruins. He is expected to play tomorrow against Vancouver. That one on 6.30, Ched, with the face-off show at 6 tomorrow night, and the game will start at 8. And, of course, the Oilers in January, seven games. They continue to alternate wins and losses after beating Buffalo last night. Giveaway, Lucic shoots and scores. Scandella put it right on Lucic's tape, and Milan Lucic buries his third of the year. And the Oilers all of a sudden a two-on-one if they want it. Lucic walks in, shoots, scores. Squeezed at five-hole on Lita Solmark. And Lucic, who prior to tonight had not scored on home ice since March the 5th, has two. Two goals for Milan Lucic. He has three goals in his last four games. You know the story. He had two goals in his previous 88 games prior to scoring against San Jose on the road trip. Now three goals in his last four. If he gets it going, gets something going, going to be a big help to the Oilers as they get into the stretch drive. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30 Chet. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the show our weekly feature guest, former NHL goaltender now with the NHL on Rogers. It's the one and only Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? You know what, Reed? I'm doing very well. I'm watching some hockey right now in my office. So I'm watching uh, the Florida Panthers right now. It seems as though they're having their way with Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Mike Hoffman just scored. I'm also watching uh, St. Louis and the New York Islanders. So just catching up on uh, some of the teams. Like I, I haven't had a chance to see the Islanders much this year. and I've watched St. Louis a bit, so trying to get a grasp on what's going on there. Well, good stuff. Uh, I got the Predators and the Capitals uh, on the TV here in the control room. They're just getting underway. That should be a a pretty good tilt. I want to talk to you about the St. Louis Blues a little bit later on because uh, they're Rob Brown's kind of dark horse pick to still challenge in the Western Conference. They're only three points out of a playoff spot at the moment. But, uh, Kelly, Milan Lucic has been, well, you know what, he's been a big discussion point in Edmonton for two and a half years ever since they signed him. But the tone of the discussion a lot different over the last 12 
12 and a half months since he went into this scoring slump, but he gets a couple last night, three in his last four, and it, I, I mean, I don't know. You, I know as a goaltender, you didn't score, but you had slumps. It must feel totally different for him coming to work the last couple of days. Yeah, so much more fun, right? I, I, like, I really feel for him. I'm, uh, I'm a guy that uh, I've been rooting for him for a long time. Um, a number of years ago, uh, I played in a Western Hockey League alumni uh, golf tournament out in Vancouver. He, of course, at the time was with the Boston Bruins, and so got to know him a little bit there. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've told you the story on, on the air before that it, it really it pains me to see a guy go through struggles like that and where he's not really – behaving like himself you know his body language uh, was looking awfully negative and I did that game I told you this I did that game between the benches late last season uh, between Edmonton here at the uh, Saddle Dome and it was hard to watch because uh, you know he had a lot of jump and warm-up he was trying to work uh, get his legs going and so on and just wasn't happening in the game and here's a guy that needs to be vocal and uh, usually is and yet uh, last year when it was uh, the end of the season coming around he he just it it looked very discouraged and his head was down a lot and wasn't saying anything so I'm really happy to see that he's got a bit of a jump in his step right now he's scoring like you said so Hopefully this puts him in a good place mentally and that he can uh, move forward and help to contribute. Well, Rob Brown uses the word belief a lot when he talks yeah. about the hockey. And, 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 I mean, that's the thing. Lucic didn't look like a guy who, who believed he could score, even if he had a had a great A scoring chance. And, hey, last night, yeah, did, did Buffalo hand him a scoring chance? Absolutely they did. But he but he had to put it between the pipes, and, and he was able to do that. And and if there's something from him, and it's, it's, it's interesting, Kelly, the first year he was with the Oilers, he gets 23 goals, and they make the playoffs. Up until Christmas last year, he had nine, okay, about his normal pace. I, I mean, he's not all of a sudden going to hit 20 for this season, but, but if he can get seven, eight, nine goals in the second half of the year, that could change the dynamic for the Oilers, especially when they're in close games, if he starts chipping in. Oh, I totally agree. And I agree with Rob that uh, you, you have to believe because if you enter in any of these games, it doesn't even matter in your, if you're in the National Hockey League. You could be in a beer league if you go to the rink and you don't believe in yourself and uh, you're going to go out and think you're going to have any sort of success. It just doesn't happen that way. So uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what league you're in. You have to believe in yourself. And, and you know, the really good players, not only do they believe in themselves, but they've got a real swagger, and I like that. It's not a cockiness that uh, is unearned or that you can't stand, but I like looking at guys uh, that really believe in themselves. I'll give you an example. Um, I didn't know David Pasternak uh, very much, uh, loved his play and all that, but when we went over to uh, China for the preseason games, Calgary versus Boston, and uh, we had a chance to, like, no, I wouldn't say mingle. That's not the right word. But be around the players that you're not, you don't see on a regular basis. And and uh, Pasternak, I mean, I got to tell you, he's got flair. He's got uh, pizzazz. He, he he has a swagger about himself. Like there is no kidding when you saw the group of players that he believed in himself. Like this is a guy that he has so much confidence. It was great to see. It reminded me of all the other good players that I've ever been around. And. And you can see, Reed, how that has carried into the regular season. I don't see that changing for the next 10 years or so for Pasternak. 
Well, I, I always love this type of discussion, and I think you and I probably talked about this. It was a while ago, maybe three or four years ago, and, and I and I truly believe, and this is just from, from interviewing people over the course of my career, that some of the best athletes actually lie to themselves. Because I've talked to guys in different sports, and, and women too, not just men, but yeah. and, and they've been in a, in a tough run, and they've said something like, oh, I was so close, or oh, I'm playing well, but I'm not getting lucky, or oh, I got jobbed by the ref on that call, and I'll leave an interview thinking, like, what are you talking about? Like, you're not yeah. even close. But yeah. they tell themselves they're close, right? Yeah, and, you know, to that point, I don't think you and I have discussed this, but... Uh, so we all see that with uh, hockey players, and we understand that. And But, you know, the one sport that really grabbed my attention, and it was golf. And, and I don't know which golfer I was thinking about or watching, but man alive, it seemed like he had a million excuses about he hated the course, he didn't like the greens, it was this or some other problem. And so I happened to be around some uh, uh, golfers or people in the industry, I don't know, two, three years ago, and I asked them about that. They said, well, yeah, you're never going to admit it. In an individual sport like that, you're never going to uh, admit that it's you. There's always got to be something else that's causing all your failures. So it, it really put it in proper context. You know, when you play a team sport like I did, you, you can lean on a lot of people. And there were many nights where I felt awful, played lousy, but ended up getting a win because I, my teammates uh, bailed me out, whereas obviously in a sport like golf or squash or tennis or something it's you and if you get really down on yourself and start saying hey i'm a lousy golfer or, or i'm lousy at this that you know nobody bails you out so you've got to find lots of reasons why it's not your fault but uh, there's something else creating all this uh, madness around you well i wrote down all those golf excuses for when i play this summer kelly so now i'm ready to <laughs> rock and roll but but that's a good point i mean tiger in his prime and he might still have another one who knows but i mean yeah. he broke guys right like tiger yeah. broke guys with his will and his confidence like he's going against some of the other guys top 10 and tiger broke guys because they knew he wasn't going to crack and how good he was well in his focus so not only yeah definitely he had the will and and uh he had the spirit to uh, break guys as you said but the focus and i love the scotty bowman story so scotty uh for many years uh he liked to uh, volunteer at major golf events like the u.s open and, and so on and he would be a scorer uh like honestly reed he would fall behind players you know when you watch on tv and the guy's holding up the scorecard and says hey tigers at minus 19 or whatever and he follows behind the, the group and everything. Well, Tiger happens to be a big sports fan and a big hockey fan. And so I can't remember which U.S. Open it was, but uh, Scotty Bowman was his scorer, official scorer, the entire tournament. So he's following behind him, I don't know, five, ten yards, the entire tournament. Finally, Tiger sinks the uh, last putt to win the tournament and looks over and sees Scotty Bowman there and goes, oh, my gosh, Scotty Bowman. How long have you been here? He goes, all four days. But the reason Scotty loves the story is because, you know, here's Tiger. He was so in his element. He didn't look around. Like, he was just so intent on the next shot and and the, the next, uh, you know, swing, what have you, that he was so oblivious to what was going around. And that's the kind of focus that, you know, you look at a guy like Connor McDavid. He would have a really singular focus on how to get himself ready because the best one, too. I, I was around so many really great players and you know maybe 
some of the best ones like Connor and Wayne Gretzky, and they have a they do have a different wherewithal about what's going on around them. But they've got a focus, man, on how to get ready. I don't know if you've read the Hank Heaney book about Tiger that came out seven or eight years ago called The Big Miss, but there's some stories in there that and, and Heaney was um, Tiger's swing coach for a while. Right. And I mean, he tells some stories about Tiger where Woods comes across as, as like almost downright rude. But yep. yeah, it's just that he was so focused and so single-minded. Everything he did in his life revolved around winning the next tournament, winning majors. Um, that, that sometimes, like it, it, it appeared he might have had bad manners, but he yeah. didn't. That's just how he had trained himself to act, really, ever since he was a little kid. So, yeah, that's well, a... totally. I, I, well, I played with one of the all-time greatest goal scorers, uh, not named Gretzky, and that was Mike Bossy. And I could tell you what, he could be a pretty selfish uh, player. And uh, you know who it bothered on our team? Nobody, because he, <laughs> he performed. And you know what? When you needed a goal most. Who is the most likely guy to get it? And so uh, sometimes you have to overlook uh, traits or qualities or faults, what have you. And and uh, in Mike's case, man alive, he was driven to score. And, and here's an example. We could we could win 6-3, and, uh, and if he didn't score, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be angry that we won, but he was mad that he didn't score, that he wasn't a part of that, the, the, the goal scoring and the success. So... It was a real unique perspective to see one of the all-time greats and how selfish he can be. And that's why I, I often say in a broadcast, it's okay to be selfish. You know, guys, oftentimes they look the past way too often. And Rob can tell you, scoring is fun. And, uh, you know, if, if that's what you're there to do, do it. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Well, hopefully that Lucic is feeling a lot more confident going into Vancouver tomorrow. Minnesota, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Vancouver, all with 47 points for the final playoff spot in the West. I, I read them off in order once the tiebreakers are applied. So Minnesota has the spot right now with Edmonton the next best team. St. Louis hovering with 44 points. And, and, and I'm not saying Colorado and Dallas are out of the woods either. They both have 50. It's going to be an interesting race, Kelly. As you handicap it, is there a team or two that you think uh, is going to be the most dangerous to try to nail down those last couple of spots? Oh, boy. When you sent me the text this afternoon, I, I went uh, and uh, looked at the standings and, and tried to uh, go with my recent memory, teams I've covered recently and and who I think might have a better chance. And it it's really difficult. I mean, I did Dallas not long ago. And uh, that was before Jim Light said all the stuff about Bennett again. It seems to have sparked him, although I don't like how that happened because then that guy seems to think that he did something really remarkable. But nonetheless, it's, it's uh, got them going a little bit. I I just did Colorado uh, a few days ago, and I got to tell you, other than the big line and I like uh, uh, Soderberg a lot and Kemp, Comfer, but other than that, I'm not a big fan. I, you know, they've got a couple good D. Minnesota, I think, is a really good team. They really miss uh, not having Dumba, but they're, they're underachieving. St. Louis, I was looking at their roster, and I'm watching them right now. There Too many guys are underachieving, but I do look at that team, and I, I covered them this year live, and I thought, boy, that's too good a team to be in that position, although their goaltending with Jake Allen wasn't good. This uh, new kid. Uh, Bennington seems to be a bit of an answer, but that's only short-term right now. It's hard to go off, uh, what, four games or something. So 
I really, I'm really puzzled. I'll tell you, that's really where I am. Other than I don't think Anaheim has any chance, and Vancouver's a little bit uh, too young. And uh, although I like what they're doing, but I don't think they'll be in the race at the end. So Edmonton, they have a good chance. They have a really good opportunity because there's a bunch of teams that are struggling. But man alive, they've got to when they have some other uh, opponents come in that aren't all that good. They've got to take care of that. They've got like. Saturday's loss, I said after Saturday's game, that, that's a bad loss. You know, yep. uh, That's not a very good team that came in Edmonton and they beat them. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to make sure they get those points, and they gotta rise to the occasion. I mean, San Jose has worked them over the last couple times, and that makes me pretty a right. uh, little worried for Saturday's game against Calgary. But first, Vancouver tomorrow. Kelly, right. great chat, man. Stay confident. I uh, hope you have a great meal plan tonight. We didn't talk about food, and uh, we'll do this again next week. You got it. Yes, I have a great dinner. I'm going to go meet my uh, daughter, her boyfriend. My wife and I are going to join him. We're going to have a nice Italian dinner. Right on. See you, Kelly. Okay, see you, Reed. Kelly Rudy on Inside Sports. Great chat with him. You'll hear from Luch, and we'll talk about Chris Jones heading south as we move along. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Great to have Kelly Rudy on the show. Don't forget, between 7 and 7.30, we have our Practice with a King giveaway. So this is because of Minor Hockey Week. If you have a child playing minor hockey and they have a practice next Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, the 21st, 22nd, or 23rd, we're going to give you a chance to win an Edmonton Oil King to join your kid's team at his or her practice. So we'll have Jake Neighbors on the show from the Oil Kings, and uh, we'll we'll do a little uh, on-air trivia for a lucky hockey parent to win an Edmonton Oil King to come to their child's practice next Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. That'll be between 7 and 7.30 tonight. You'll also hear from Milan Lucic all of a sudden on fire after being cold for, well, pretty much a little over a year. Some comments from Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. The new oiler is Colby Cave, claimed off waivers from Boston. One goal, five points in 20 games. He is a center. Uh, he'll play center tomorrow with Jujar Kara moving back to the left wing. He's one of these we'll-see guys, but the Oilers do get him off waivers from the Boston Bruins. It's one of them deals. Chris Jones to the NFL. Jamie Knight to discuss next. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, here's what's happening in the NHL tonight. The Blue Jackets all over the Devils. It's 4-0 late in the second period. Also in the second, Islanders leading the Blues 1-0. Rangers up 4-1 on the Hurricanes. After the first period in Montreal, Florida with a 1-0 edge. No score after one between the Ducks and the Wings. Late in the first period, Nashville with a 2-0 lead on the Capitals. No score, Kings and Wild. No score, Vegas and Winnipeg. Just getting underway, the Lightning and the Stars. And later, the Penguins will meet the San Jose Sharks. Edmonton Oilers tomorrow taking on Vancouver. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the faceoff show at 6. The game will start at 8 as the Oilers try to win back-to-back games for the first time since December 
11th. It has been a while for the Oilers. They are 4-3 and three in the month of January and hanging around in that uh, turtle derby for the final couple of playoff spots in the Western Conference. The new guy, Colby Cave, is expected to play. Kyler Yamamoto, uh, well, we've been hearing this for a while, but it looks close to be coming back, maybe activated off uh, injured reserve. Alexander Petrovich going through the concussion protocol. He might be available as well. The Oilers would have to make some corresponding roster moves. Is the, If that happens, we shall see. Stoffer will have the updates from noon to 2 tomorrow on Oilers Now. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You will hear from Milan Lucic as we move along this evening as he all of a sudden is finding the twine. For your Edmonton Oilers, we're going to talk a little football now. Big story today. Well, uh, again, this is something that that Craig and I have been working on a long time. I mean, Craig does a real nice job of uh, of, of having the the proper timing to bring these types of things up, and and uh, again, something we've been working on a long time. And certainly, we've got um, not just myself, but uh, more importantly, the the entire staff and our our operations folks are are all back, and with the exception of one. And so, uh, it's we've got. Got a good group. That was Chris Jones. You know the voice. One week ago, as he signed a contract extension with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to stay through the 2020 season, of course, he had an out clause to go to the National Football League, and that's exactly what happens today as he is joining the Cleveland Browns as a defensive assistant. Big news in Ryderville. And to weigh in on that is Jamie Nye from the Green Zone, CJME Radio in Regina. Jamie, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? Fantastic, Reed. How are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm doing great. I imagine you had a uh, all of a sudden a much more intense show than you thought you might have this afternoon. An extent, we went an extra hour today, so I had four hours of radio to play with Ryder Nation on Chris Jones. A week ago, a week ago, he was on the green zone telling me, because I I brought up the NFL job, because there was a report from Jason Lacanfora that teams were looking at him. So I bring it up. Hey, Chris, did you know about this? Like, people talking, and the report is, people are looking, did you, are you aware of this? He said, oh, yeah, people have been calling me and said, oh, I got a call from whoever, and they're looking at you. And so that was going on. He was aware of it. And then I asked him, well, so what's your interest in the national? And he cut me off. He said, well, I just signed an extension. This isn't the, I'm not going to, I have unfinished business in Saskatchewan. We just announced our coaching staff's coming back. Uh, blah, 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 blah. We want to win the Grey Cup. We want to get, and a week later, Chris Jones is going to the Cleveland Browns. And I just, there's so much to dig in on, on this story, because I know there's Eskimo fans who are just, laughing because Chris Jones is doing to the Riders exactly what he did to the Eskimos after the 2015 Grey Cup uh, without a Grey Cup in Saskatchewan, uh, mind you, which probably makes it even more fun for Eskimo fans uh, to chuckle at the plight of Rider Nation. But you're getting into a relationship with somebody, and Chris Jones, that has done this twice already in his CFL career. He did it to the Calgary Stampeders when he kind of just left to go to Toronto. The Argonauts actually got fined for that. And then the CFL came up with a new rule because of Chris Jones and Jason Moss and that whole gong show of an offseason with the tampering allegations, et cetera, going on. So 
you, you make a commitment to somebody who's not really good at keeping commitments in the first place. You'd, I'd hope Craig Reynolds wasn't completely caught off guard by this. But a week after signing an extension and making the big headlines and all the boards on their website, maybe they were caught off guard that Chris Jones is a Cleveland Brown coach today. Well, I mean, I was both surprised and not surprised because we are dealing with a guy who, like you said, has done this before and has made no secret of being an ambitious person. I think that's part of the reason he's been successful. But, yeah, it sort of seemed like the possibility had died down. We're getting into the new year. Teams are getting things set. There's the coach's cap on both how much you can spend on coaches and the number of coaches you you could have. So, yeah, I mean, for in terms of what he told you last week, I'm not surprised, Jamie, because people lie to us all the time <laughs> in this industry. I, you know, I, I'm exaggerating a bit for dramatic effect, but you know what I mean. Uh, they stretch the truth, Reed. Or they, or they deflect. I mean, he's not going to tell you like, oh, yeah, Jamie, I signed an extension, but I'm glad you asked because Cleveland just called me, and maybe in <laughs> seven to ten days I might, I might leave. But let's just ignore that right now. I mean, of course he's not... He's not going to say that. He he's an interesting figure because I mean, you and I talked a few times throughout the season. He he did a lot for Saskatchewan the last two years, and a lot of Ryder fans still hated him. <laughs> like it was. Oh, there were so many people. There were like, "Hallelujah, he is gone. Good riddance to Chris Jones." And I'm thinking, they went from three wins to twelve in three seasons with Chris Jones. How is this good news for Ryder Nation? Right, but. There are people who didn't like Chris Jones. They didn't like the fines in year one. They didn't like his handling of Darian Durant or Weston Dressler or John Chick and those long-tenured guys that he just cut or traded and disrespected when it came to Darian Durant and the back and forth in the media. So, yeah, there was, there's some bad blood there for Ryder Nation and Ryder Priders who are really those veteran loyal guys. It means something to them that you almost hang on to them until they're dying breath as members of the Saskatchewan Rock Riders. But that's not Chris Jones. Chris Jones is, okay, who, who can win for me right now? And if it's not those veteran guys making a lot of money, okay, I'm going to go to a free agent camp and find a 23-year-old guy from Texas, El Paso, and, and he's going to come up for minimum, and he's going to be just as good as Weston Dressler or John Chick. And, and that that's his modus operandi. That's how he works. And, and so, and But the other thing is how he works is he leaves. <laughs> and leaves while he's still under contract. So Ryder Nation is left going, okay, now what? Uh, more than anything. Uh, but are we really like this is a coach who's hired as the VP football operations, general manager, head coach, defensive coordinator, Reed, who didn't buy a house in Regina. He was living in a hotel room, and I think he did the same with the Edmonton Eskimos. Like that's like getting married to somebody and them going, you know what? I'm going to stay in my apartment. Like, Okay, where's the actual commitment there? But Chris Jones, he works hard. There's no doubt. Yeah. But he's working for the Chris Jones resume. He's not working for the Saskatchewan Rep. Like, yes, that's his job. But he's he's working for his resume, and he wants to win because he knows that'll open another door for Chris Jones, as it has with the National Football League. And we'll see where it goes with Chris Jones' career now, just starting and blossoming in the National Football League. 
All right, uh, Brian texting and he goes, Jack Michaels recruited Chris Jones. Of course, Jack Michaels, our Oilers play-by-play voice and a fan of the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if Jack has quite that much clout or how he feels about this move, but but what, what's, the, what's the relationship here? The new coach of the Browns, Freddie Kitchens, was a, a player at Alabama when Jones was early in his coaching career. Is that the connection? Chris Jones was a graduate assistant of uh, Alabama in the last year of Freddie Kitchens being a quarterback at Alabama. Okay. And, of course, I think Freddie Kitchens is from Alabama, and Chris Jones is from, of course, we all know, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Uh, so that the, the South and, and Freddie Kitchens did coach in Mississippi at Mississippi State, and I know uh, Chris Jones has a, a lot of contacts within the Mississippi schooling and university circles. So I imagine they continued that relationship and and talk a lot uh, during the the off season because that's one thing Chris Jones is very good at is keeping in contact and talking football with a lot of football people and he's not one to lose a contact that he can use. So uh, Freddie Kitchens, there's a relationship there. So clearly, after Freddie Kitchens got hired, he pegged Chris Jones as a possible assistant. And his title, what is your take on the title? They hire Steve Wilkes, the former Cardinals coach, as defensive coordinator. So they're hiring Chris Jones as the senior defensive specialist. Oh, yeah, sorry. I introduced him as defensive assistant. He's a defensive specialist. Senior defensive specialist. So, yeah. Well, I've never heard that title. Well, let's face it, he was definitely a defensive specialist in Saskatchewan. <laughs> we talked well, about that over the great. summer a lot. <laughs> that That's what they won. That's how they won, his defense. And he's a very good defensive coach. And reality is going to hit the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and maybe quickly that go, oh, my goodness, what do we do? Uh, without a general manager less than a month from free agency, a defensive coordinator who was one of the best in the CFL, and they hired 10 coaches. Chris Jones was the 11th, and he held two jobs. And with this new cap and everything, can they even – how much maneuvering do they have within their coaching So staff? they either have to promote from within or fire somebody and hire two people. No, wait. Right, because yeah. – no, okay, so, yeah. so they have 10. So they either have to hire somebody who does both jobs – as head coach and defensive coordinator, yeah. Or, or they hire two people to do those jobs and get rid of somebody else because of there's a... But, or it's it's a promotion and a couple other promotions and a simple hire. Oh, okay, right. Like you yeah, make I guess one that's, of your defensive right. assistants the defensive coordinator, you make somebody else the head coach, and you hire a linebacker coach or something like that. But uh, we don't really know how this all works. Can they fire people how many can they fire if they want to i doubt they will now that these guys are extended can they find someone who has worked with these people in the past um so it's of course the big name right now in saskatchewan everybody wants mark tressman to be the head coach well why wouldn't you no well sure but what do you do with stephen mcadoo as the assistant head coach offensive coordinator is there and you're firing him does that go against the cap how much money will mark tressman ask for of course Chris Jones, that's the one benefit. He's freed up a ton of cash for the football <laughs> operations department that's and coaching true. staff to play with. I, I don't like this coaching cap thing. And oddly enough, I think part of the reason some teams suggested it is to screw the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 
because they could spend as much on... It's the riders who wanted this because Chris Jones, they couldn't handle his expenses. But they they went, okay, enough's (laughs) enough here. We need to cap our own team because Chris Jones... That makes no sense, though. Here's a blank check, and he's actually literally taking advantage of a blank check. Well, fair enough, yeah. but, but, But I'm saying from a standpoint of, you know, the riders generate a lot of revenue. I mean, here's the crazy thing. On this show, the riders are the second the, the, the team after the Eskimos we talk about the most <laughs> because people either love them or hate them. So they either want to know that they're doing well or, or be happy when they're doing bad. So the, the riders have a lot of money, so they could have hired more. But, but is this because Jones had a, a, he was paying a guy just to watch for pass interference? Like they got... They had too many people with not, not like with two specific jobs. Well, they had a full staff of ten assistants, and then it seemed like they had half dozen quality control people and scouts covered all over the planet that Chris Jones was paying. Some of his we, we called them uh, FOJs, friends of Jones. <laughs> Nobody knows who these guys are. They just show up, and it's like who the heck's that guy? Right. Oh, FOJ. It's a friend of Chris Jones, <laughs> and. And we don't know how much they're paying him or what the salary was, but Chris Jones held mini camp after free agent camp after free agent camp after free agent camp, and that's a lot of travel expenses and everything else you're piling up. So there, there is word that it was actually the Riders were one of the teams that really spearheaded, going, okay, we have to control football operations spending because Chris Jones is. We're having a hard time saying no to him because we said to him. Yeah, blank check. Here you go. You use the money at will uh, for football ops to win, and he went okay, and was spending a lot of cash. Right. So he 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 took no limit, literally more than they thought he would. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I mean, he's he's been such a, a compelling figure to talk about. Like the obviously being here in Edmonton, winning the cup, leaving how he did, the way he coaches, the way he talks to people. Uh, the the league got a little less entertaining, I think, with uh, with with him leaving. Uh, quickly, oh, I'm going to miss him, Reed. I'm going to miss Chris Jones in Saskatchewan for a talk show. And nothing drove the fans and the fan lines and the text lines crazy than when Chris Jones did something spectacular, whether it was Deron <laughs> Carter or getting fined or never or passing in a game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to miss that, man. Uh, all right. Quickly before I let you go, and David Turner is going to join me later on. He's the new director of player personnel for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, we will hear from Milan Lucic. I talked to him at practice today as well. This whole Mexico thing with the CFL, like, I, I can't see, well, I, to me it's unlikely any of these players play. It's This is a bit out of the blue for me. I, I, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but... The United States produces the best football players in the world, and Canada's next. So I don't know what we're going to get out of Mexico. There's, uh, I talked to the head coach of the University of Regina Rams today. Didn't get time to play it on the show because something else happened today. <laughs> uh, so that kind of went out the window. But uh, he was talking about the talent in, in Mexico, especially at the, like, the high school level. It's like they have raw athletes like we do in Canada and they do in America that it just takes better, like a little more grooming a little more coaching and he said that the talent isn't crazy off at that younger level now when you get older and because maybe the coaching and the competition okay yeah it gets further separated 
But that's why the Rams have started to recruit in Mexico because they see a lot of raw talent for freshmen to come in with speed and strength and all those intangibles that they think they can coach. And by the third, fourth, fifth year of their college careers in in youth sports, might be fantastic athletes. So he understands why. Another intangible in that is he also doesn't get why aren't you investing a little more in Canadian talent for the Canadian Football League if you're looking for better talent than, you know, putting some dollars into Mexico. All right. Jamie, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. I know we will have many more chats like this in 2019, man. Hope everything is fine with you. Everything is fantastic, except we will miss Chris Jones in the Canadian Football League. i got to do this one more time. Can dial. <laughs> well, see you later, Canada. <laughs> there is Jamie and I with a quick Chris Jones impression as we talk to him. He's from the Green Zone, CJME Radio in Regina. Uh, interesting uh, interesting story. Chris Jones goes to the Cleveland Browns. We're going to take a quick timeout inside Sports on Chad. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Hey, nice track, Kellen. We get Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad, we have the Oilers game for you tomorrow. We'll have the face-off show at 6. The puck will drop at 8. Can the Oilers finally beat the Vancouver Canucks? Well, I know they beat them the last game of last season but they are 0-2 against them this year. Luch finally scoring, playing on a line with Nugent Hopkins. Here's the new John Lucic. The biggest thing was that he was just staying really positive. Uh, he, he knew that he could contribute uh, in other aspects of the game, and uh, that's what he was doing. Um, uh, he was just using his body, getting on four checks, creating a lot of loose pucks for other guys. And um, I mean, he has a lot of good aspects to his game, so he doesn't need to just be scoring. And I think that was a really good for, uh, good thing for him was to just stay positive and uh, work on other parts of his game too. All right, and we uh, have a little bit from Lucic coming up later on on the show. Don't forget, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have the Northern Chicken Super Bucket. Big games need big eats. Order your super bucket for your big game party at Northern Chicken. Kellen, on the weekend. Mm. NFL picks. I went three and one. You went one and three. Oh, all right. Didn't have a good weekend. Then. <laughs> we are now both four and four. Hey, there we go. We will pick the conference championship games on Friday. Guaranteed to be correct, both of us, even if we pick different teams. We, we both picked the L.A. Chargers, which looks incredibly foolish given how badly they were beaten by the New England Patriots. Yeah, I saw the score afterwards, yeah. and I was how, like, oh, How dumb bad. are we? Hey, let's <laughs> pick against the Patriots and Tom Brady in a playoff game in New England. I don't like the Patriots. Fair enough. Pick it with your heart. Sometimes that pays off. Exactly. All right. We uh, have our practice with the King giveaway coming up. We'll be joined by Jake Neighbors, forward for the Edmonton Oil Kings. All ahead, Inside Sports. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.